Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, I got another episode this week. Um, don't know how long it's gonna run, but I wanted to squeeze it in because I've got some time off definitely ahead of me with vacations. But I don't know if you can tell. I hope you can. I've got a new microphone. I was told on Twitter that I wasn't serious. I uh, You call yourself a serious podcast? Well, I have a microphone, so I guess I'm pretty serious. All right. It, let's, we're going big time with a microphone. But I hope it comes out clear. If you like it, and let me know. I, I need some feedback because I think I sound amazing all the time, 24-7. Talking to myself for... 30, 40, 50 minutes at a time. I sound incredible. But I want to know what you guys think. All right, but we do have some stuff I can go over today. A little change of pace. If you saw the notes for this episode, we're going to be talking some Notre Dame baseball. Because while, yes, I am Notre Dame football-centric podcast, I love all things Notre Dame. I believe I announced that we won the fencing championship. I sure did. And if there was any other championship Notre Dame had claimed, I'm all over it. We celebrate in our household. I don't care if it's checkers, fencing, whatever. In this case, we're talking Notre Dame baseball. And we're talking Notre Dame baseball for obvious reasons. Notre Dame is in the playoff. Or playoff. Uh, they're in the tournament. I, I got football in my mind, right? Calling it a playoff. But they're in the tournament. So we can talk a little bit about that. I do want to talk about Notre Dame's win-loss projections over-under stuff. Because that's getting out of control. And I pissed off some UNC fans. Shocker. That was kind of fun. So let's get into it, guys. You know the deal. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. All right, so we're going to kick this thing off with some Notre Dame baseball. And here's here's the thing. Notre Dame baseball had a great season. They went 30-11. and 11. And there were some games that were postponed and canceled and, you know, because of weather or COVID-related things and so on. But 30-11 is pretty darn impressive, you know, if we're going to be honest here. that That's awesome. You know, and I got to be honest, I wasn't really all over the uh, <laughs> what Notre Dame was doing uh, in baseball as far as what I knew what their record was, but I didn't know the specifics like I do with Notre Dame football. I didn't know who was leading in what categories and, you know, who their best hitter was, pitcher, so on and so forth, and I'm not going to delve into it now. I'm not going to pretend I know. 
But what I did do is I did look at kind of team statistics to see where does Notre Dame fall in college baseball, you know. And they finished the season ranked 10th. They were in the top 10 towards the end of the season, all season. I guess top 10 is still top 10. But they didn't get one of those premium top 8 rankings. Um, They are hosting this round, the regional round of the tournament. But losing 14-1 to in the ACC tournament, they didn't make it to the championship, but losing 14-1 to to Virginia didn't help them in terms of where they're going to be placed. Unfortunately, that put them in a number 10 ranking. So should they move on, they're not going to host another round. This is it. We get the regional. But you're wondering, who do we have in the regional? Well, I got that information for you. Notre Dame will play tomorrow, June 4th, at 12 o'clock my time, Central Michigan. Uh, that game will be on ESPN3. I don't have that, so I won't see it. I guess I'll follow it on my phone. But Notre Dame plays Central Michigan, and if they beat Central Michigan, they will play the winner of Michigan Sucks versus Connecticut. So Michigan Sucks and Connecticut plays at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. And then they'll play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the championship for this region will be uh, Monday. And all of it will happen at Notre Dame. And it's it's exciting, guys. I mean, Notre Dame hasn't hosted a regional tournament since 2004, which that's a long time ago. And Notre Dame isn't known for baseball, so this is a huge deal. It is the 22nd time Notre Dame has appeared in the NCAA tournament, the first since 2015. But we'd like to get past the regionals and the super regionals and go to the actual college baseball World Series, right? CWS, that's where we want to go as a Notre Dame fan. Um, I, Out of this region, I, I don't see... I mean, Central Michigan was 40-16 and 16 on the year. They won the MAC, but that's because there wasn't a tournament uh, for the conference. Um, Connecticut was 33-17. and 17. They were the Big East regular season and tournament champion. And then that leaves, oh, fun Michigan. We hate Michigan in every sport. Um, 27 and 17 for Michigan. They finished third in the Big Ten. And they only faced conference opponents and didn't have a conference tournament. And yeah, 27 and 17. So, but we made it. We're in it. Let's win the weekend and move on to the next round. <clears throat> but I did want to like talk to you guys about how they got there. It's, it's kind of funny because. I saw some scores, and I'm like, okay, we're scoring some runs, you know. We're winning games, scoring 12, 13 runs. That's exciting. But in reality, we were more of a defensive team. We're not defensive necessarily, but pitching. Because offensively, our team batting average is only 270, which ranks 134th in the country. Um, Then home runs. I focused on home runs per game because – Teams played so many different numbers of games. Like Arkansas, the number one team in the country, played 15 more games than Notre Dame. So that's going to be skew the numbers for Arkansas. So I looked at home runs per game. and Okay, I had to let the lawn guy outside my window 
uh, pass through. Hopefully it's not as loud as it was a second ago. As I was saying, I was focusing on home runs. Notre Dame had 1.1 home runs per game. Arkansas had 1.6. Doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're talking 5th in the country versus 68th in the country, you know, just in comparison to where the best teams are, right? So 134th in batting average, 68th in home runs per game. But when you look at the pitching numbers, some numbers are really solid. And then others, it's, you know, it, we're a defensive team, you know, because we're 39th in ERA at just under three, or sorry, just under four. Um, so 39th in ERA, 38th in hits per nine innings, 8.1 hits per nine innings. So we're giving up less than a hit per game. But our whip, when you include walks, is 64th at 1.38. So we're walking too many guys. Too many walks is what I'm figuring. If if we're giving up less than a hit a game, but our whip is 1.3, we're walking some dudes. And then you look at strikeouts per nine, 172nd. 8.2 strikeouts per nine innings. Not even a strikeout an inning. So it feels like we're letting the ball get put in play quite a bit. We're just and putting runners on base. We're just making defensive plays, which is fantastic. Um, and we, we're de- doing a decent job in runs. Um, 6.3 per game. Unfortunately, that ranks 92nd in the country. And you look at a team like Arkansas, they're... 7.6 runs per game, which ranks 16th in the country. Now, I know that was a bunch of numbers, but uh, the takeaway is from Notre Dame baseball, it seems like we're very opportunistic is the best way to put it. We're not killing teams with power. We're not t- killing in any way, home runs or pitching. We're not a power team. We're not dominating in strikeouts. We're not dominating in home runs. Seems like we're just very opportunistic. What what could that mean? I don't know. It feels like a, a lot of small ball, situational stuff. And maybe we can get away and, and win some games here. I think we'll get out of the, the regional. I just, the, the way we've been playing, ACC is one of the tougher conferences in the country in baseball. And Notre Dame showed very well, even being in the northern states, which is not common for good baseball. Uh, overall, you know, so, uh, I, you know, Central Michigan doesn't really scare me. Michigan, who knows? Um, they, they, they've been pretty good at times in Connecticut. So, I, you know, we'll see. We'll keep pace. <clears throat> I'll let you know how it goes. Um, or you can watch for yourself because, honestly, I might not be recording for another two weeks just to throw that out there. So, you know, if you got nothing to do this weekend, keep up with some Notre Dame baseball. See how they're doing. Go Irish, right? Uh, I It would be fun if they made it to the College World Series. That'd be super cool. Give me something to talk about during the summer when football's kind of slowed down a little bit. So there, there's my update on Notre Dame baseball. So crack a beer on a Friday night or Friday afternoon. This is the first game. But Saturday, Sunday, crack a beer. If you have ESPN3, sit back and cheer on the Irish. So now we're going to go back to football. That was my Notre Dame baseball minute. Before I talk about 
the win-loss projections over under projections and why that is, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> yours truly pissed off some UNC people because I'm not back back on Twitter, but I'm kind of slowly looking at some things. I've made some comments and things, but apparently uh, they think they're bringing back all these, these all these recruits. That's the trick, all these recruits. That haven't done anything yet. Again, the, you know, and why am I focusing on last year? And I'm real quick, specifically North Carolina. This is all about North Carolina. You know, when I'm talking about North Carolina versus Notre Dame, like, what what does last year have to do with anything? Well, from a Notre Dame perspective, we didn't have Kyle Hamilton, and all the guys that made a difference last year against the returners for North Carolina. Like, our guys made it made a difference. They won the game. Our front seven, who are mostly back, by the way, against an offensive line that apparently isn't that crappy, yet they didn't even rank top 20. They were uh, 25, 25th and 30th, um, which, I mean, that's not bad in the overall grand scheme of college football, but if you want to be taken seriously, I don't think Notre Dame's offensive line is ranking outside the top 10 or 12. You know, and last year and the year before is quite high. We were in the conversation for the Joe Moore Award, best offensive line in the country. So, and then I, I get told, well, look at this tackle, and he ranked 103rd in the entire country. Huh? We're brag we're bragging about that that he's ranked 103rd overall as a tackle. Each team has two tackles. So even just top 25 times 2, there's 50. To get to 100, so he's like the best tackle on the 50th ranked team is the way I'm seeing it. And the rest of your, or I guess tackle specifically, the other tackles ranked worse than that? I, You can keep talking up the offensive line all you want. Oh, they're returning. They don't appear to be very good. And then, oh, Sam Howell was to blame for some of those sacks. Okay, they still happened, and we still have the same guys that made that happen in the last year's game against North Carolina. I, the North Carolina hype, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. It won't. Um. It, there's nothing you can tell me that I'm gonna all of a sudden go. Okay, now I will say, yeah, the unknowns. Maybe I'm banking too much on the fact that I don't know these recruits and things like that, and too much on the fact that I do know Notre Dame. That's fair. I don't know North Carolina like their fans know their team and the way I know Notre Dame, surely. But again, I'm putting more stock in the team that has recruited better over the last how many years? Right? I just... I I, I'm, I got bookmarks already, guys, and you know how I am with my receipts. If you knew my account, which is completely gone, MJPalk21, I keep receipts. I badgered Michigan fans last year after I called out their record, and they still got pissed. So that was uh, <laughs> that was something else. So we're going to do it again with North Carolina this year. That should be just a real blasty blast for me. So whatever, North, Carolina's, North Carolina fans are pissed at me because I'm calling out things that are known and they're banking on the unknown. Um, and maybe they know it better than I do, and that's fine. That's fair. I, I'll be wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong. I have nothing. I'll be a weatherman. I don't care. 
I'll say whatever I think and feel, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll accept it. I'll own it. It is what it is. But right now, the way I see it, I don't see any massive change that says North Carolina got better. I'm not saying they got worse. I think they pretty much are going to stay the same. I don't see them all of a sudden becoming an 11-1, 12-0 team. That ain't happening. And I did look at their schedule. I mentioned Clemson last week. They don't play Clemson, so they... The, their ACC schedule is easy, all things considered. We went through it last year. ACC schedule was not that hard. You know, they do have Florida State. Who who knows what they're going to be? By, by they play them kind of midseason, they could be good. North Carolina plays Miami, and then they play Clemson. They play those three games in a row. Or no, sorry, uh, I call Clemson. Uh, us. They play Florida State, Miami, Notre Dame, three games in a row. Wouldn't surprise me if they lost two of those. I just don't see them getting as good as they're being hyped to be. I don't buy it. You know, so, and the reason I think Notre Dame will beat, say, North Carolina and go, as I predicted, 11-1, and is what I'm going to get into now. Notre Dame's over-under win-loss projections. First, over-under. I wish I didn't live in the state of Texas. I really do. I, I think there's some options for me out there, but I want to bet the living crap out of Notre Dame's over-under I've seen being talked about. Eight and a half or nine? Are you insane? G- guys, if you're in a state that can bet, please go online, wherever. Put a significant amount of money on Notre Dame's over if the line is eight and a half or nine. Because if we win less than nine games, the season is is a disaster. It is a disaster. It would it's an epic fail. I don't know what it would take for uh, Notre Dame to only win eight games. So the way I see it is, I I can think we can guarantee ten wins. I like us for eleven, maybe twelve, but I like us for eleven wins. I think I can guarantee ten, but if I'm guaranteeing 10. You still got a two-win cushion to not lose money if the line is 8.5 or 9. Because 9 wins, you get your money back. Like, you're even. So no win. You didn't lose. The 10, you're winning. Man, if you have a few hundred dollars, uh, I mean, I don't know what your financial situation is, but for me, a few hundred dollars would, would be a, a decent amount of money. If you can put up close to a 1,000, <clears throat> do it. If you're able to bet it and you find the line at 8.5 or 9, do it. I don't see how we don't get to at least nine wins. Not with the schedule, not with what Brian Kelly's put in place. I just, I'm not buying it. Getting all up in arms about the fact that people are eight and a half or nine wins. Like, what? Where's the, you know, Notre Dame's always overrated. Well, apparently not. We get no respect for winning 10 plus games four years in a row. We're still treated like this. But we're overrated every year. Well, no, we're not. Not by the people that matter. I don't care. Writers write shit to draw attention, okay? I don't know what casinos are doing to put these lines at 8.5 or 9. That shows zero respect. And I hope you lose a fortune by doing that. You know, We'll see what happens. But then, to compound my frustration... I find a writer who, again, I want to say this is just to draw headlines, but it's based on a formula. 
and I know you guys saw this if you're on social media or there was articles written about it in blue and gold and everywhere, any Notre Dame outlet. The SP Plus win-loss projection for Notre Dame football in 2021. They said we're going 7-5. and five. Are you out of your fucking mind? 7-5? and five? Fire everybody. Fire Swarbrick. Fire Freeman. Kelly. Reese. The whole... Elston. Everybody gone. 7-5? and five? Are you insane? If Notre Dame goes 7-5 and five in year 12 of Brian Kelly after four years of 10-plus wins, two college football playoff appearances, all that... And go seven and five, that big of a regression? Are you crazy? We are not at that point in this program right now. I swear, if seven and five happened. My first season in my new house of Notre Dame football is going to be 2021. It would be this season. We move in in the summer. House will be done. If seven and five happens, there might, there might be new holes in the wall, and it's not from hanging pictures. I swear to God, seven and five. I, I don't even want to think about it. But then I, I read like the formula. I find out the formula and it it's just so much emphasis on returning production. And that's kind of why maybe North Carolina gets some of this hype or whatever, right? You know, oh the the returning production. So what what the SP plus is guaranteeing or say guaranteeing, but uh, what they're saying the wins are. Like, the wins are going to be Navy, Toledo, Georgia Tech, Stanford, Purdue, Florida State, Virginia. That's seven, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's our seven wins. Navy, Toledo, Georgia Tech, Stanford, Purdue, Florida State, Virginia. I find Florida State on there quite funny because I think they're one of the bigger question marks on our calendar. I... I th- again, we're lucky we're getting them game one. I think they're going to improve. And you probably don't want to play them, say, game six or seven or eight. So anyway, those are our seven wins. Then they say toss-ups are at Virginia Tech. Are you kidding me? Because they play fucking rock music. Oh, no, enter Sandman. They win. Virginia Tech is going in the wrong direction. It's just Fuente's not doing it there. I... How are you going to call that a loss? Then USC and Cincinnati and North Carolina all in South Bend, mind you, losses. The Cincinnati thing, I I just, I think talent wins. Sorry. Fickle's a nice dude. A, they're, they're good for the American Athletic Conference. I And yeah, returning production, all that good, good stuff. But I'm going to get into the returning production that no name apparently lacks. We'll discuss that here in a second. But the Cincinnati, North Carolina thing, again, North Carolina, I don't get it. And it's at Notre Dame. Um, I buy I buy the USC toss-up. Absolutely, it's USC. Who knows? They're good. It's a rival. Anything can happen. But to call Virginia Tech and Cincy and UNC toss-ups and then think, oh, that's a loss. I don't know their system, but if it's a toss-up, it's an automatic loss. I don't get that part of it. And then the L is Wisconsin. And that's the one of the games that I would say USC and Wisconsin are the two uh, big games on our schedule. It's that simple. Now, the funny thing about all of that, 
All 12 of those games, there's only one game where Notre Dame is currently an underdog, and it's the Wisconsin game. So we're favored against, well, some of these aren't finalized in terms of uh, uh, the, the spread, but the ones that are known, we are favored against USC, we are favored against Cincinnati, we are favored against North Carolina, and I, we are currently favored against Virginia Tech. Um, I did look that up. And that's another one, guys, uh, if, if you're a better. Currently, I saw it at 5.5 points. Virginia Tech, we're going to beat them by more than 5.5 points. Loud, loud noises be damned. Metallica, whatever. We will beat them by at least a touchdown, which is 6 points. So, that's what SP Plus is projecting for us. Those 7 wins, the, the kind of easy ones, minus maybe FSU. And then any toss-up, L and Wisconsin. And you look at this formula and you get more and more frustrated because it's mostly based on returning production and completely dismissing coaching and other factors that are 100% relevant. Because here's a fun little nugget that the SP Plus doesn't know or care to recognize or whatever Since 2016, and I focus on 2016 because that's when Brian Kelly made a dramatic change in his coaching style, and it has led to Notre Dame being 43-8 since the 2016 season. So 17, 18, 19, 20. 43-8. Since 2016, Notre Dame has ranked 80th or worse. 80th or worse. So in the bottom third of college football rankings actually the bottom quarter of college football rankings in all but one season in returning production so returning production Notre Dame 80th or worst in all but one season the only season we didn't rank 80th or worst was 2017 and we obviously went 12 and 1 undefeated but then lost to Clemson but so 80th or worse in coming out of the 2016 season. 2017, we go 10 and 3. Coming out of the 2018 uh, season, 80th or worse, we go 11 and 2 in 2019. 2019, 80th or worse in returning production, we go 11 and 2 again. Now 2020, we're 80th or worse. So coming out of those seasons, we're 10 and 3, 11 and 2, 11 and 2. One of which, by the way, was a college football playoff appearance. So. Why is that not factored in? That shows, hey, look, we have lost production, significant production, offensive line production, which is kind of the big question mark for this season. And yet we still moved forward and won games. And, oh, Ian Book isn't back. That was a big factor. That is true. But I haven't been doing this podcast for Notre Dame season yet. If I were doing it during Ian Book's career... I believe he limited the offense in some ways. Yes, he won games, but it's because he he was safe. There were some games that we could have won by bigger margins and games we lost that we probably could have won had he been a little more risk-taking, you know? Like I heard uh, one podcast talking about, well, you know, uh, the spring game, Jack Cohn, you know, took some chances and, you know, those might end up in picks, and Ian Book wouldn't have done that. You're right, he wouldn't have even thrown the ball. And 
that wasn't that's not always the right decision. You got to take chances sometimes. It might result in some interceptions, but you're going to get big plays if you execute it properly and I think Cone has that ability. So, returning production seems to be the little staple that they want to hang on to. Okay. Let's go through what is likely to be Notre Dame's depth chart quickly. Uh, again, I'm not going to spend all all day on this. I'm I'm not going to keep you guys here listening to me talk for an hour. We'll go quickly. Jack Cone. Okay. That is they're considering that returning production, but I'm not buying. If you're considering that returning production, I and it, you're still saying that we're not going to do anything. I'm not buying it. I think Jack Cohn is a very formidable, excellent replacement to pick up where Ian Book has left off. I am very confident in Cohn. Um, I'd love to see Buckner challenge him, but Cohn, having played at Wisconsin, watch him in the spring game, he looks more than capable of playing quarterback at Notre Dame. So, okay, then returning production in Williams and Tyree. I think that's that's a given. I think we know what we got there. There there's no like question marks, right? Here's the big spot where I think returning production is and I saw it mentioned is wide receiver. Well Notre Dame doesn't have their top two wide receivers back in Skaronic and McKinley. Well here's the thing. They wouldn't have been the top two receivers if Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay were actually healthy. So we're getting Austin and Lindsey back. Austin has not really had a chance to really shine, but the kid is good, and Lindsey has shined. He's just been hurt. If he can stay healthy, he's way better than having McKinley on the field or maybe Scarona too. And then we got Avery Davis, who was great for us last year. He's back. So... For the, ah, oh, we're losing two receivers, I don't see it that way. I don't see it at all. I feel like the receivers coming in should have been playing last year and are better than the two that left. They just happen to not be healthy. And then you go to tight end, Michael Mayer. Do I need to say more? I mean, come on, the guy, they play the Michael, the Halloween music every time the guy catches the ball. So I think we know what we got there. Then you look at the offensive line. And the likely lineup is going to be Carell at center. I think Fisher and Patterson at the tackles, Lug and Spindler at the guards. Okay. Carell played a bunch of center last year because Patterson was hurt. Patterson's played a bunch of offensive line until he got hurt. Lug has played significant minutes on the offensive line. Fisher, Spindler, yes. Brand new True freshman, I get it. But the problem is they're looking at, well, Lug hasn't played a bunch. They're, Patterson missed half of last year. And so maybe Carell and Patterson, two players equal one because Carell filled in for Patterson. But, again, I don't see that as a drop-off and like, oh, no, we lost all this production. What are we going to do? Patterson was part of that almost Joe Moore offensive line. So was Carell. And Lug, again, has come in and filled in and played significant, meaningful minutes. You got Fisher and Spindler. That's the question mark. We don't know what to expect there. So, I. that's 
something to watch, but I'm not, I'm concerned. I need to see it, but I feel like by the time we get to the games that matter, we, we should be good. We got Florida State, Toledo, Purdue. Then it gets serious, you know, with Cincinnati and Wisconsin and USC and North Carolina, Virginia, the, the toss-ups, you know. So we'll have a chance to get this in order. And, and history says we can do it. We lost plenty of production in 16, 18, 19, and we went 10-3, and 11-2, 11-2. Two, two. So we're doing something right. And then defensively, I don't the the loss of production uh, or lack of returning production, however you want to phrase it. I don't care defensively. Not because not just because of Marcus Freeman. I think that's fantastic. But MTA, he's been here four years. Like he's played a lot. Like okay, yeah. So we lost. Uh, Ugandeji, and we lost Dalen Hayes. But MTA is no slouch. How about Justin Amendola? He's back. He played significant minutes. Isaiah Foskey? He was a he didn't play a lot because he again you had guys in front of him, like the just mentioned Amendola and the two NFL dudes. Foskey was still at four and a half sacks. Averaging or only playing in like 23 snaps a game, so let's come, let's add double at minimum his snaps. He should be a 10 sack guy. If that's not significant, I don't know what is. And then you got Patello, who's just a beast, and he's finally going to get his chance to to play. He was behind all those guys uh, last year, so yeah, I, the defensive end position looks pretty solid. Then you go to defensive tackle. <gasps> Everybody's back. What? Oh, my God. So much production not returning. Oh, wait. All of it is. You got the other Amanola brother, Jason. You got Riley Mills, Kurt Heinish, Howard Cross, Jacob Lacey. All those dudes are back. And they were incredible last year. They were a huge part of our success defensively. And, oh, by the way, you only play two of them, and I just listed five guys. So... The rotation, they're going to stay fresh. They're going to stay good. Like, I'm not worried. Linebacker, Shane Simon or Luafau, they play the same position. They both played a bunch last year. Not worried, but they did kind of split time. So, again, I think it's a situation of two for one. Two guys accounted for one player's overall production. Mike Linebacker, Drew White, Bo Bauer, same deal. Two for one kind of thing. They both played significant minutes. The rover position is the one that we did lose significant production. Obviously, Jeremiah Wusakaramoa. He is not on our team anymore. But we got Jack Kaiser. I think he'll start there. Isaiah Pryor, if he figures it out, he was kind of projected to be pretty good dude. Uh, we're, we haven't seen it yet. Then we have a guy who's not even on campus yet, Prince Kali. I really believe he can challenge that starting role. I really do. Uh, let's see what Prince Kali can do. But Kaiser played significant minutes last year. 
So even though JOK's gone, it's not like we're putting in a guy who's never played the position before or anything or been on the field for meaningful time. Then you go to the secondary. That's, well, we lost Nick McLeod and Sean Crawford. I didn't think Sean Crawford was that relevant. I don't expect a huge drop now that we got to put Houston Griffith or DJ Brown back there because Houston Griffith and DJ Brown played last year, some of which was in place for Kyle Hamilton when he was hurt. But Griffith and Brown have played. They're not like, oh, no, what do I do? I've never been in this position before, but they have. And then, obviously, Kyle Hamilton's back there, so we got him. And at the cornerback position, Clarence Lewis. He earned the starting role and played pretty much the whole year. On the other side, it's probably going to be Cam Hart or Tariq Bracey. Cam Hart hasn't played that much, but Tariq Bracey absolutely has. He's played so much, he was on the field when uh, Julian Love went out against Clemson back in 2018. Tariq Bracey's been on the field. Then we got the young guys, Riley and Offord and Barnes. So, just going through the names, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you know those names. I'm not saying names that you've never heard before. Outside of, uh, like literally every name outside of uh, Fisher Spindler, because they're true freshmen, Prince Colley, and then Riley and Barnes, and I think Offord. Every other name on this that I've written down has had his name called on a Notre Dame broadcast. So to say that they've, it's like, oh, brand new guys, never played, who knows what to expect, blah, 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 blah. I, that's not true at all. And if you look at the history, history says Notre Dame is going to figure it out. These last, and let me clarify, the last four years, I know that's not a huge sample size, but Brian Kelly made a real change in this program. And it's we're seeing what's happening by doing that. We see the difference. We see what's happening. Brian Kelly decided, you know what? I'm going to change my way of doing this, and look what we got. We got 43-8. and eight. And we lost all kinds of production. 80th or worse. Three times out of the last four years. And we bounce back with 10, 10 wins, 11 wins, 11 wins. So I, I don't want... These over-under win-loss projections are just absolute joke. I don't know what they're basing it off of. It's it's absurd. I, I don't get it. I expect Notre Dame to keep going. We're... We are up there. We're in. We're one of the top five, six programs in the country easily. No, we're not Clemson or Alabama or probably Ohio State. They're kind of in their own little separate space. But I think we're right there with Oklahoma and I guess maybe Georgia. I mean, give me another team that – give me another program that's where Notre Dame's at the last four or five years. You can't. That's it. That's the list. We're right there. And to – but all these other teams, oh, they're going to be fine. But not Notre Dame. No, sir, Bob. Not us. Why not? Why can't we be like them? Like, what's what's the reason? You don't like Notre Dame? Just say it. Again, if you hate Notre Dame, say I hate Notre Dame. And I at least I'll be like, okay, cool. Run with that. But don't try to explain it with 
things that don't make any sense. Facts, logic, reasoning. Bring it to the table. We can have a conversation. But if you hate them, say I hate them. End of story. It's that simple, guys. Alright, so, again, if you have a place to bet and you still find Notre Dame at 8.5 or 9 for the over-under, get it. Just do it. You'll be happy you did. And if it's because I told you to do it, you got to give me a housewarming gift. That's the rule. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. I told you it's going to be kind of quick today. Um, I don't know when I'll be back, but I'm kind of slowly coming back on Twitter. So, you know, I'll, I'll put my handle out there uh, like I used to all the time, at 5 foot nothing pod. You can find me, uh, direct message me, uh, tag me, whatever. Or you can email me. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you like it, you know, give, give me a thumbs up, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. Share it with whoever. And I appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens to me go on my little rants. Um, until next time, five foot nothing, hundred nothing, out.